Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast. Our purpose statement at Bridge Church is to reach people where they are and help them grow. We hope today's message inspires you towards growth, and we pray it's life-changing, and we hope to see you soon. Uh, we have an image on the screen here, the first slide I have. We know this image, right? This is what we just saw on stage. It is the manger scene, or some would call it the nativity scene. The moment that Jesus is born and he's in a little town called Bethlehem. And we know this scene well. We know that there are angels and wise men. We know that there's Mary and there's Joseph. We know this story well. But one of the things that we have been doing, if you've been coming to our church for a little while this past few months, one of the things you've heard is we've been going through the book of Acts. And in Acts, it's really this incredible moment where you see the unseen world kind of peering into our world. Angels open prison doors. Uh, There are women possessed by demons. Fire comes down out of heaven. And so in the book of Acts, Really, there's an unseen spiritual world that breaks into our world, and we begin to see evidence of it. And I think that God gives us these moments of seeing these very cosmic forces bust into our world so we can be aware there's a greater reality than what we see every day. There is an unseen world, unseen powers, There really is a cosmic battle between good and evil, a cosmic battle, something bigger than what we see here. You may not believe that. You may not be a part of a church. You may not think of spiritual things, but I think even our world is curious about supernatural things beyond our world, cosmic battles. How many movies have we had about angels and demons and monsters and uh, all types of wizards and witchcraft and superpowers and superhumans? I have never been a Marvel guy. I know many of that genre. Comic people, I love them. Uh, I did not get into the whole Marvel thing, as many people have. But I did go see Black Panther, praise God. (laughs) And in seeing Black Panther, I became interested in the other cosmic realities of Marvel, and I learned about different universes and stuff. (laughs) And I was very interested in vibranium. And all you have to do is be friends with a comic person to learn more. You say stuff like, oh man, vibranium. And they're like, well, did you know that, you know, <laughs> Captain America's shield is actually vibranium. Okay, relax. <laughs> Why are these things making such a mark on our world? I think it's something more than CGI. I think it's more than how well the 
story is painted. I think we have something inside of us that truly believes there is a battle bigger than what we see happening in politics, what we see happening in our neighborhoods, what we see happening in our families, and even bigger than what we see happening in us. And the Bible would say it this way. In Ecclesiastes 3.1, God has put eternity in our hearts. What that functionally means is deeply embedded in our souls. We are curious about a greater reality. And so this Christmas, I would, I would like for us to take a different look at the Christmas story. You can look in Isaiah, you can look in all the gospels at different Christmas stories. But today I wanna to look in the book of Revelation. And when we look in the book of Revelation, I wanna talk about an unseen Christmas. The Christmas you didn't see in the nativity scene, the Christmas that's not in the plays, and the Christmas we don't really make songs about. But this still is an unseen Christmas and it is Christmas nonetheless. What you'll see in this Christmas story is a cosmic battle between good versus evil. Amen? In the book of Revelation, John is writing in signs, symbols, and mysteries. He is giving detail to realities that we don't have functioning in front of us every day. So you will see things that are symbolic, that are pointing to something else. Here, he's going to talk about a sign, one of seven signs that he will talk about throughout the book. Turn with me if you have a Bible, or you can look on the screen, to the book of Revelation. For all the Bible people, I will remind you that it's Revelation, not Revelations, amen? <laughs> Correct your friends. Be that person. The book of Revelation, Revelation 12, one through two, and a great sign. John has got this vision. He's not very clear on what it is, but there's a great sign, singular, appeared in heaven. Here's the sign. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of 12 stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains. And here's what she's having, the agony of giving birth. In this cosmic story, John says, I'm not seeing this in a literal sense. He says, I see a sign. Now, a sign, as you well know, is a symbol. If you see a sign that says, welcome to New York City, you know that that sign is indicating a greater reality. You know the sign is not the city. You know it is pointing to the city, and it is pointing to a greater reality. In the same way, this should not be taken literal that there's an actual woman that is pregnant, but it is pointing to a greater reality. In this story, there will be three characters, a woman, a dragon, and a child. The story, all of this, will be symbolic. So who's the woman? Well, the woman is playing on two different planes. The woman, as we understand it historically, is the community we call Israel. Israel is God's people. And in being God's people, 
They're often called in scripture the wife of God or the, even the bride of Christ. We consider the church who are God's people later on. But there is this relationship with God. And this woman that we understand is a picture of all of Israel in pain. We see a similar story and similar imagery when Joseph, if you remember back in Genesis, Joseph tells a story to his brother, brothers, a dream that he has. He says this in the dream, Genesis 37 and 9, behold, I have dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun, moon, and 11 stars were bowing down to me. Now, there are not one-for-one one correlation there, but if you notice, there's a sun, a moon, stars, and the, they're all serving Joseph. Joseph, therefore, is having a vision of being part of a messianic lineage. In other words, we would understand that the 11 stars are part of the tribes, him being one of them. In the same way, if you were to look back at the woman, she has on her head a crown of 12 stars. And again, the moon are under her feet and the sun is wrapping her. And he's saying that the sun and the moon are bowing down to him. Here then we see a messianic promise. We see kind of a overarching story. There's a woman who has a sun and the moon, all part of God taking care of Israel. And in the same way, God flung the sun in the sky, flung the moon in the sky, and how he holds those things up by his own hand. The imagery, therefore, is saying that Israel is in the same way that God takes care of the sun, takes care of the moon. He is in many ways taking care sovereignly over Israel, caring for them, that there is a larger plan in place. Here, therefore, we see that God is orchestrating something dynamic with Israel. God is orchestrating a picture of a greater reality. What's happening with this woman? The woman is pregnant. Her pregnancy is a picture of her suffering, yet anticipating something greater. You know, the Bible says in Romans 8:22, we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Therefore, we can look at this as a multifold reality. One, there's a picture of Israel who is about to give birth to the Messiah. The other picture is of Mary who is literally about to give birth to the Messiah. But there's another picture there because when the Messiah is fully on earth with his people, we will be under his covering and his leadership. We know that the story of Jesus is that he was born he lived 33 years, but then he ascended up into the sky, sits at the right hand of the Father. But if you know anything about the story of God, one day he comes back and he rules on earth. Now, here, eschatologically, we understand that, <laughs> inside joke, inside joke. We understand that in the broader picture, we're looking at multiple pictures at the same time. But remember, it's a sign. So it's 
adding several pictures there. You're seeing Israel, you're seeing Mary, but you're also seeing the struggle that we have now. Now, so because we are not, even though we feel the presence of Jesus, we're not with Jesus yet. So this is why the Bible, it has the imagery of Israel, imagery of Mary, imagery of us in a picture of pregnancy. And that's why Romans says that we groan together into the pains of childbirth until now. And a picture of that is we are waiting to that one day when we're with Jesus and everything is peaceful. And the picture that he sees is it's like a woman who is pregnant. We have three children, three daughters. First daughter, first pregnancy was great. Second pregnancy was great from my point of view. <laughs> Third one was great too. But you know, pregnancy is a really, a really wild moment because when your wife is literally screaming in pain. You're there like, come on, come on, you're excited. You feel her pain. I mean, you're like, baby, this is hard. And she's just screaming. And we, in the hospital, there was a woman who was really, go, really going through it in the next room. I, I had to put my hand on the next room, like praying for this woman. She's screaming, everybody's screaming. There's so many pregnancies happening. But one of the things that happens as a husband is that you're feeling the pain with your wife. You're like, come on, come on. But you're kind of smirking a little bit. Because you're like, you're like, man, this is bad. But the baby's about to come. And the, as the pain increases, the anticipation for joy increases as well. And what the Bible says is, right now, we's pregnant, y'all. And he likens the pain you are going through more like a woman who's pregnant, who will one day after the pain be in utter joy. What they're trying to tell you is right now ain't it. Right now we're laid out on a table and every moment you feel loss, pain, suffering, they're actually saying it's not the pain of this world, it's the pain of pregnancy. And there's a greater reality one day and what they're saying is one day you're gonna be with this Jesus and he's gonna wipe away every tear and there'll be no more death and there'll be no more dying and there'll be no more crying and there'll be no more new year to have to play to make new goals. There'll be no more of that. We will just be able to rest and eat and cry and laugh. But as a dad, when you're there, you feel the pain with your wife, but you smirk a little bit because you know something is greater. And I wonder if as we look at this revelatory picture, we could understand what God wanted us to see. He wanted us to see cosmically, though you feel pain, you can cry, but just remember to keep a little smirk, keep a little anticipation, because there is a greater hope than the one that you're going through. And if you ever lose that hope, if you ever lose the hope of the birth of a greater reality, you'll turn earthly realities into your hope and earthly realities never come through. You'll say, not this year, next year, not next year, next year, not next year, next year. And what the Bible says is next year can never be better. 
than the next season of being with Jesus. He's the greater next. He's the greater season. Here, you have this incredible multifold picture of a woman pregnant, Israel, Mary, and even us as a creation. But Mary's not, well, the woman is not the only one in the scene. There's a dragon. Look here in Revelation 12, 3. He says, and another sign appeared. In heaven, behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on his heads seven diadems. What the Bible is giving us is this incredible sign and picture of an evil being that we understand as Satan or Lucifer or the evil one. And this great red dragon, we understand that in time old, in the book of Genesis, verse 315, it says that there would be enmity between a woman and him, the evil one. It was understood as a serpent at the time. And here this dragon, he has elements to him. Notice it says seven heads. The seven heads there figure to be empires, showing he has control over all regions in the earth. If you notice, it says ten horns. The ten horns, if you look in Daniel chapter 7, verse 24, the the ten horns are literally figureheads that are leaders on earth. Ten different leaders. And then it says seven diadems. These diadems are figured to be crowns. And these diadems essentially are imagery of how Satan is controlling these seven empires and how he's controlling these ten rulers. And what the Bible is picturing for us cosmically, is that there is a evil ruler behind the evil of this world. Some would call him in Ephesians the prince of the power of the air. In other verses, he's called the prince of demons. But we see him here as a ruler of evil. The Bible goes on to say in Revelation 12, 4, It says, his tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to earth. And if you look biblically, this imagery of a tail sweeping down is Satan, who was once an angelic being, how he influenced a third of the angels to come with him to earth, and we understand them to be demons. Therefore, we understand that here in Revelation, what John is saying is there is an evil being who has power over human entities and he has a spiritual army that he employs on earth who were once a third of the angels, horns and diadems and heads. What the Bible is trying to tell us is that Satan is powerful that he is a ruler, that he is a liar, that he is an influencer. 
And what it tells us is that we are in a world that is influenced, I would even say easily influenced by evil. He is behind corruption. He is behind deception. He is behind oppression. There is an evil being that supports, employs, and deploys evil entity throughout this world. Not only is he powerful, but what John sees is this evil being has a plan. Revelation 12.4 goes on to say, and the dragon stood before the woman. Now I want you to just imagine this imagery. The dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth. Is not birth one of your most vulnerable moments? Stands before the woman so that when she bore her child, notice he waits till after the child is born. So that when she bore her child, he might do what? Devour it. The dragon doesn't want the woman. The dragon wants the baby of the woman. The dragon positions itself so that when the baby is born, it would eat that baby up and therefore take away the entire lineage of that child. Here then, what John is showing us is that there is this woman who is giving a birth and there's a dragon who wants to devour the child. And on earth, we didn't know none of that. <laughs> on earth, we saw wise men. On earth, we saw angels. On, on, on earth, we heard about a story going to Bethlehem. On earth, we thought the worst thing about that moment was a manger, not a dragon. On earth, we just saw a certain level of problem. But I just want to tell you another part of the Christmas story that we don't talk about. You see, in Matthew 2 and 16, the wise men go to Herod. Y'all remember that part where they go to Herod and they're like, hey, we're going to find a baby. But they, the wise men kind of get tipped. They're like, okay, you, wanna, you don't want to worship baby. You want to kill the baby. You the dragon. You know, they, they just, <laughs> the wise men looking at the stars, they're like, I don't know if you were lying. So, so once, once Herod finds out this baby's born and the wise men trick him, look what it says in Matthew 2, 16. We don't talk about this part. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and he killed all the male children of Bethlehem. And in that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. See, we talk about the manger scene, we don't talk about the massacre. Now, the reason why this doesn't make it into a lot of historical books is because Bethlehem is probably a town of about a thousand people, so you're really talking about 15 to 20 kids. So it is not considered a huge historical moment in terms of slaughter, but to those mothers it was. 
Can you imagine the anticipation of knowing that every male child under two is going to get killed and them kicking down your door, taking your boy, and they're killing him because they're killing him because they're really looking for someone else. They're killing babies and slaughtering. And so there's two things that we must anticipate and understand from this. We thought the worst part of the story was the manger and the massacre, but there's even a worse part. There's an evil dragon that wants to kill everything that God has in terms of this messianic vision. The child of God would be destroyed by the dragon of old. The evil was worse than we saw. The evil was worse than we saw. But my God, I believe the care of God was better than we could have seen too. We say, man, she, she's in a manger. And remember, they, they, the, the baby was wrapped in swaddling clothes. The, the baby's just there. And we think, man, how, that's a tough scene. But cosmically, there's a picture of Israel and Mary, a woman wrapped in the sun moon at her feet. Earthly, she's in a manger, but cosmically, she's being taken care of by the living God. Earthly, she is tired and worn out and saying to themselves, how could we not find a place to stay? But cosmically, God is saying, I've made room for you in that inn over there. And what this story tells us is that evil is worse than we thought, but God's plan is greater than we could ever imagine. The devil hates you more than you know, but God cares for you more than you know. <laughs> and so this was the plan. The plan was to devour the child. Now, we don't have time to go into all this. But the evil one, the dragon, y'all know he didn't get the child, right? He didn't get the child. But see, what the dragon wants to do is he always wants to get, if he can't get the child, he wants to get everyone associated with the child. And that's why the Bible says he's, the, the evil one is seeking to whom he can what? Devour. Same word. And so the evil one wanted to take out the child. He is in the plan of taking out God's children. And he is diabolical. If you've ever had a moment this year where things were looking quirky and suspicious and weird and it just, it just, it felt too planned out, know that there is an evil with a, with a plan. You don't have to always look at people, look at the evil one. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in heavenly places. But church, we must also keep in mind that even though the evil one has a plan, there is a greater plan yeah. and a greater king. Yeah. Revelation 12, five reads this way. The end, end of the story. It says, she ended up giving birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. 
but her child was caught up to God and to his throne. There it tells us a story of how this incredible child is born. This child gets raised up to be this dynamic ruler. As I mentioned, there are multiple images happening here. One is the birth of Jesus, but the other is the ruling and reigning of Jesus. Because if you know the story, how the story ends, Jesus not only dies, but he raises again from the dead. He's on earth for 40 days, but then he ascends to the sky. The Bible goes on to say he comes back one day and he rules the earth and we are with him as he rules. But we are caught in between two worlds where one day we anticipate the earthly rule of Jesus. But right here on earth, we have the spiritual rule of Jesus over our lives. And it tells us something about how Jesus rules. One day he'll rule on earth. But here, he rules us, the people of God. And it says here, the male child rules with a rod of iron. You ever heard that phrase, rod of iron? It's in Psalm chapter 2. It talks about how the Messiah will come and he'll dash the nations with a rod of iron. When I think of a rod of iron, I think of a baseball bat. I think of... Uh, like a hitman or something, you know. I think of somebody very powerful, but the rod of iron, it's actually the imagery of a shepherd. A shepherd with his rod and his staff. And his staff he would use to make sure that the sheep would be aligned and they would go in the right direction. But his rod would be more so of discipline. And he would fend off and defend you see, there, a shepherd had to anticipate not only caring for the sheep, but defending the sheep. And the rod of iron would be there for the jackals and the wolves and all those that would come to try to devour sheep. And for every sheep, there was a defender. There was a rod of iron who cared in his pasture. And what that tells us is that Though we are in this world, we are sheep, a part of his shepherd, part of his flock, and we have a shepherd. And he protects us. He protects us. We're protected. We're suffering. And there are plans against us, but we're protected. We're protected with a rod. And he fights for us. And he holds off. And do you think you experience evil this year? Imagine what evil would be like without his protection. You say, thank you for what you did. Thank you for what you're doing. Well, God, thank you for what I did go through. Thank you for what 2023 could have been. Imagine not having the rod of iron protecting you every day because the Bible says if God is for us who can be against us his protection is real his care is real but evil is real too diabolical plans I wonder this year 
Did you feel cared for by the shepherd? When you think of the birth of Jesus, don't just think of the major scene. Think of a greater scene. A scene of a woman going through pregnancy, a scene of a dragon trying to destroy. And as that scene plays out, we are caught in between it of suffering and pain. We're also caught in between the, the shepherd caring, caring for us with this rod. And here we are at the end of the year. I know you're making plans and goals for the next, next year, next month. And I pray you experience all your goals. But can I just tell you a secret? You may not experience all the goals and dreams you want in this life. There's a whole economy of preaching that telling you next year is gonna be the year that you get everything you've prayed for. And I think the reason why we have to preach in a way where we always have to tell you next year is the breakthrough year, because I don't think we have a great enough hope in the next life. In other words, we gotta talk about next year, but not the next life. We don't talk about the grand narrative. The grand narrative is, this ain't it. There, there, you will get some good, but this world ain't all good. You will see some goals happen, but this is God, God is not here just for your goals. He's here so that you might know him. And one day we'll, one day we'll be with him face to face. We'll be with the child. That's the greatest scene in this world. That's why we have books like Revelation to tell us that there's an unseen Christmas. And even though this world has some things good, there's a whole nother scene. As I mentioned, I did go see Black Panther. I, um, I only went to see it for one reason because I'm black, praise God. <laughs> there were cultural, you know, there's certain movies you have to see. <laughs> I, had, I had to see it. I'm told Color Purple is one of those movies. You, you have to keep, keep your card. <laughs> so I went to see it. I went to see it with my dashiki on, all of it. I did it. I did it. So I went, but I am unaware of Marvel genre. I don't know nothing about Marvel. All I know is I'm black. So I go, loved it. Wakanda forever. It was amazing. We took pictures after, it was incredible. So I'm in there, true story. I'm in there watching the movie. The music comes on after. I'm like, yo, that was really dope. I stand up. A girl next to me goes, what are you doing? <laughs> then all the comic nerds are like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I was like, what is wrong with you? They're like, sit down. I was like, the movie's over. They're like, it's not over. It's not over. I was like, what are you talking about? They're like, just sit down. 
There was an Australian girl, and I'm gonna mess up her accent. You just, she, 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 I was sitting next to her, and she goes, Pastor James. I go, I go what? She goes, you don't leave at the end of the movie. I go, why? She goes, in these stories, there's always another scene. See, every, everybody's waiting for the next scene. See, those people leaving, they think it's over. But there's always another scene. So I stayed. And that was a dope next scene. But how many of the people of God know there's always another scene? There's always another scene. And we wait with anticipation. As the lights are off and it's real dark, we know they're going to come back on again. Because for in our stories, there's always another scene. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the goodness that you've shown us this year. We thank you, God, for the kindness that you've proven to us. And we ask you, God, remind us, remind us, you're caring for us right now. How much have you protected us this year? Evil is greater than we could imagine, but your care is more than we could ever anticipate. Thank you for your care. Thank you for your care, Jesus. Thank you for your care, Jesus. That was you. That was you. That wasn't a friend. That wasn't, that was you. That was you, God. You, came, you protected me. You saw me. And you've heard all my prayers. It was you. So you deserve all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. I wonder if you'd stand with me. Can we give the Lord a hand praise this morning? as we get ready to close out, we're going to do some announcements in a minute, but I wonder today, at the sound of my voice, we're celebrating the work of Jesus, the protection of Jesus, but everything starts not with coming to church or listening to sermons. The real core of getting the peace that you so long for is not in your attendance but it is your alignment to Jesus and it begins with you saying, you first, you are the Lord of my life. I wanna make you the leader of my life. I'm not talking about church membership. I'm not asking if you've been to church. I'm not asking if you've prayed before. What I'm asking is who is the leader of your life? And I wanna invite you here today to make Jesus the leader. The Bible will call him the Lord of your life. If you've done it before, and you don't feel like he's currently the leader of your life, do it again so that you might be confident and sure that that Lord, that child with the rod of iron is protecting me. I need his protection. And some of you have tried it on your own and it's not working for you. And so today I wanna to offer you salvation. I wanna offer you the leadership of Jesus over your life. Is there one that you would come today and you would acknowledge I need the leadership of Jesus? Just come today, right here to the front. We're here for you. We want to work with you. We want to pray with you. Is there one here today that you want to come right here and we want to, we want to walk with you? Do you? Does any of you sense the power of Jesus just drawing you? Is there one? Is there one here today that you want to make a move 
and you want to know that God is moving your life. Is there one? Is there one? Well, if there not be one today, I pray that in these next two weeks while we're not in church and all those things, I pray that if there is someone here and you're wrestling, I pray that the spirit of the living God would draw you to himself because you don't have to be here to make Jesus Lord. But you can make him your Lord in your own time. There may be, there may be others where uh, you didn't want to come up, but you do feel a sense in which you need a fresh start with Jesus. And we have a class for people who are making a fresh start and maybe want to get baptized. And so uh, you would text the word faith to 55444. Text the word faith to 55444. Now God be with us, use us, and uh, call us into your great mercy and your great power. We ask all this in Jesus' name, amen? Amen. 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 We hope this message was encouraging to you. We invite you to send us an email at info at bridgechurchnyc.com so we can hear how God used this message to speak to you. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Our handle on all our social media platforms is at bridgechurchnyc. Our website is bridgechurchnyc.com. If you're in the New York City area, we would love to see you on a Sunday. Our services are at 10.30 a.m. and noon on Sundays at 345 Adams Street in downtown Brooklyn. Thanks for listening to our podcast today, and we hope to see you soon.